Over, hey, hey. What's up, folks? It is Friday Eve, Thursday night, for those who like to keep track of the days of the week. And it is also episode 148. And tonight, join us for the second time out of his busy schedule, the full-time writer for our Philadelphia Eagles and your Philadelphia Eagles, Ed Kratz, joins us again for a second time here on the show. I believe the last time we had Ed was just before we hit episode 100. So at least we're just about at the halfway point, the 150. So, hey, another monumental feat. And, of course, it's always have it's great to have Ed with us. The Eagles are getting ready for some preseason action come tomorrow against the Jets. Doesn't mean a whole lot. Of course not. We all know this. But it's all right because we still enjoy at least some preseason football. Of course, the other 32 teams will be on as well. So for those who like your Buffalo Bills or maybe your Pittsburgh Steelers, whomever team that you end up liking, your team, I'm quite sure we play tomorrow night as well. And we understand that Dick Vermeil was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Next week, we'll hope to have Melissa and Jeff on at the same time. Therefore, they can give us the whole Hall of Fame background and the people they end up getting together with over there. So, Lots to get into today. Of course, uh, as Fuji likes to talk about Tom Brady all the time, we'll find out maybe why Tom decided, I can see him already shaking his head, but Tom uh, decided to take some time, some personal time off, whatever the case that might be. I don't know. Maybe I have some insight for it. But either way, we hope that you join us all for this episode tonight. We do appreciate everyone tuning in from overseas to Australia, to our friends up the north and everyone here in America. Thank you for watching Broad Street South. Thank you for listening to the audio download. And don't forget, you can always listen to the show on the audio side, wherever you get your podcast from. And you can always end up watching replay on Facebook and also on YouTube. So thank you to everyone. I'm Angel. Welcome to episode 148 on Broad Street South. play there it is so uh it, of course i cannot do the show without gene gene the dancing machine danny terrio himself the man the myth the legend the godfather what's Angel, up what, what is going on one more day preseason eagles jets ready to kick it off sean and ed kratz in the house ready to talk eagles Bills dropping one today, losing Kyle Schwarber with a right uh, leg ankle strain. How are you? I messed, I messed, I messed that all. Can we retake this? <laughs> all right. <laughs> this right is out. a rare moment. A rare moment in Godfather history. Hey, Godfather, how about you? <laughs> how about you try that all over again? <laughs> you got all screwed up with Kyle Schwarber. Maybe leave Kyle out of it. So how about here? It, it just acts like the intros <laughs> at the end. Introduce yourself once again, Godfather. Godfather, how are you? Good. How are you, Angel? <laughs> I'm seeing you. Oh, boy. All right. Well, I tried. <laughs> that's the first one in a long time that you've ever screwed up your own intro. But, hey, that's right. That's why we're live here in Tampa, Florida at the LG Direct Sales Solutions Studios. Oh, my God. That's a that's a great blooper that's going to go out later on this week. So thank you for that one. But thanks for everyone uh, tuning in here. We are live at the LG Direct Sales Solutions Studios in Tampa, Florida. And it's been over 100 degrees now for our 30 ninth day in a row but that's okay no complaints whatsoever because you get used to it when you're down here but talking about feeling the heat of course our good friend the sports contributor 
Back again with us tonight is Sean Karain. Sean, how are you this evening? Good. Oops, hold on. My fault, my fault, Sean. Give me a second. That was my goof up. There you go. What's up, Sean? How you doing? What's up? What's up, Fuge? What's up, Andrew? How you guys doing tonight? Good, good. good. That, that's all right. Listen, and, and again, Friday. I'm going to pick Friday. up Fuji. Kyle Schwarber suffered a right calf strain. He's right. out day to day. So See, there you go. There you go. That's what happens when you get super excited. That's the only problem. Once Fuji gets super excited, there's no stopping him, and that's what ends up happening. But it's okay. Listen, it, it happens to the best of us. It's just the way it works. So no big deal. Yes, but since we can't have walk-on music thanks to a particular channel that likes to flag me every time I do any kind of like new or interesting thing, well, I figured we'll bring up the Eagles Hustle video and introduce Ed Kratz that way. So right after this, the man himself will be on with us, Ed Kratz. So enjoy the short video, and we'll be on with Ed. If we had walk-up music, that would be now your new walk-up intro. So anytime you come back to the show, every Eagles hype video will be dedicated to you, sir, because of all the full-time hours and a non-stop dedication you do for us, the fans, for the people who listen, and your, as far as your articles, read them, everything that you need to find out about Ed Kratz, you will find out tonight. Ed, thank you once again for joining us for a second time here. And by the way, uh, halfway to another milestone. So I don't know. I think you bring really good luck when it comes to Eagle season. But thanks, Ed, for joining us once again tonight. Hey, well, congratulations know. on your 148th uh, podcast here. That's a great uh, achievement, guys. You're doing doing a lot right, obviously. And uh, Fuge, man, you sounded like a guy coming off vacation or something. Were you, were you on vacation <laughs> recently? I mean, you're a little rusty there with the intro. You know, you, you'll nail it. You'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the tongue tie. That's what happens. Every once in a while, and it doesn't happen much, but every once in a while, he just flubs over himself. I think because I screwed him up early with a TV 12 talk. I think that's the only reason why he got uh, screwed up initially. Because I'm, I'm not the one with the jersey in the back of my closet down there. Yeah, man. I don't have I any swear to it. I swear to it. <laughs> you, you got it. You. Yeah, you can swear all you want to, but that's okay because it's not back there. But uh, thanks for playing that game anyways. But listen, uh, thanks to everyone once again for tuning in. And thank you to Australia, not only to the right side, I guess, of the state, also on Perth. Uh, Perth, Australia, also tuning in. So thank you guys and girls for listening in. We do appreciate it. And there are Eagles fans out there in Australia as well. So if you want all your content that you need, of course, you can always go to PhiladelphiaEagles.com. But please Lock it in here to BroadStreetSouth.com and BroadStreetSouth, anywhere you get where you get your podcast from, because we always try and keep you informed as the season goes along. So, Ed, once again, we find ourselves in another Eagle season. It seems like Nick Sirianni kind of changed up a little bit, not too much from his first year here in Philadelphia, but I hear already some grumblings from certain media that they say that he doesn't take practice tough enough. Now, we know with the new CBA agreements, if they're not putting on the pads and everything else and barring the injuries the Eagles have had since the Super Bowl era, it seems like he's trying to minimize all those injuries so we go into a healthier season. So Nick going into year two, 
Has he gotten better in training camp, or did he just keep pretty much the same rhythm that he did year one being here? Yeah, you know, listen, I think uh, he's listening to the sports science people who are telling him, you know, his, his, his uh, situation is unique where he's, he's practicing two straight days. They go from what they call a yellow practice, where it's about an hour, hour and 15, to a green practice the very next day, which is about an hour and a half, hour and 45, and then they do a walkthrough. Okay, they back it off. And he was told by the sports science people that the reason for that is players tend to get the soft tissue injuries a little bit more when they practice three straight days on that third day when their muscles are a little more broken down. That's when they are more susceptible to uh, soft tissue injuries. Now, whether it's working or not, I don't know. Devontae Smith, we haven't seen him in almost a week. He's got a groin injury. I believe that a groin injury is a soft tissue injury. We saw the rookie tight end, Grant Calcaterra, uh, injure his hamstring like, you know, in the eight days ago. We haven't seen him either. And he was doing pretty well. Someone who probably would have had a role. But now I don't know how that's going to set him back. But, you know, whether or not this is working, I don't know. Um, you know, I watched an episode of Hard Knocks with the Detroit Lions. It just debuted earlier this week. And, you know, everybody has the Lions going to the Super Bowl now because Dan Campbell's a tough coach. You know, I mean, you know, he's, he's in your face. He's yelling and screaming. Guys, that, that's not the way Nick's doing it. You know, they're tackling to the ground, Detroit. The Eagles will every now and then take a guy to the ground. But, you know, he wants these guys fresh for the opener. And he feels this is the best way to do it. Well, it's funny as you bring that up here. Someone uh, with the question. By the way, if you guys have uh, guys and girls. By any means, but if you guys have a question, do me a favor, put your name up there because when it comes to Facebook, Facebook unfortunately does not display your name because of privacy issues. Go figure that's the only thing that Facebook cares about as far as your privacy when it comes to a show. So when you guys have a question, do me a favor, just write your name up there so we can credit you with asking a question. But there's a question already asking, watching Hard Knocks and Detroit is physical. Any concern that we aren't ready for the physical play early? Um, listen, there's a couple ways to, uh, get physical, um, you know, and shout out to Olivia Newton-John or get physical just passed away at 73, but, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's different ways to be physical and the Eagles are physical. They're just not tackling to the ground. And when they put full pads on, they're working hard up front. And I, and I will say that, you know, it's a very fast paced practice. There's not a lot of downtime for these guys. They're going from drill to drill to play to play. And I think some of that has to do with year two of Sirianni. A lot of these guys have returned. The entire coaching staff has returned. So they know what the expectations are now to practice. Um, yeah, Detroit's very physical, you know, and, and maybe that's the way to do it. I don't know. Or maybe their legs are going to be shot. You know, that physical coach, if you don't start winning early, they're going to turn you out real quick. Yeah, uh, you know these guys are men. They want to be treated like men. It's a different generation of player now. Um, so you know, if they're getting physical and they're getting hurt, or they're not going to be as fresh, maybe their legs are going to be a little bit worn down on September 11th when that game comes about. Uh, whereas, you know, the Eagles are physical, um, and, and we'll see some physicality against the Jets on Friday night, and then in Cleveland next weekend, and then to finish it off in Miami, we'll, we'll see them physical. And we've seen some physicality in in training camp. It's just not that. You know, in your face, rah rah, tackle to the ground. Um, the Eagles are still doing one on one drills with their offensive and defensive linemen, and they get pretty physical. So, um, you know, I, Detroit's doing it their way, and the Eagles are doing it theirs. And, you know, we'll see which way works best. Um, I think the Eagles have a better roster. Um, if the Eagles go to Detroit and lose, then yeah, then that's a concern. And, you know, Detroit's way, I guess, would have been the right way. Right. And, and, you know, it's been talked about and so far that, that I think it's probably the most hype that I've seen so far for the Eagles this season. And I, and I mean, every almost every media outlet out there is saying that the Eagles 
look a lot better than it went they did last year, even with the same head coach. And then you still have some people that say, you know, is Nick the actual head coach for the Eagles? I believe so. The same way I believe that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback for this team as well. But you hear a lot of people just saying that, you know, well, the Eagles look a lot better. They did great in the draft. Um, I think the Jets got the number one as far as like overall uh, in the draft this season. But they, they, they like the pickup, obviously, of Jordan Davis. Uh, some other key players, but this is probably the most talked about team that we have seen and in, in probably since 2016 going into 2017. So I know that they, if people want to see him get hard and as far as like the physical portion of it, that they want to see him tackle to the ground. But also it's the most unusual hot summer that we've seen across the U.S. So I'm in agreement there because obviously down here with the Bucks, it's the same way. A lot of these guys are suffering from heat strokes and cramps because it's been extremely hot. And even if you're indoors in the facility they have down there at one buck place, you have the AC running, but it doesn't matter how much you're pumping that AC in there because that building gets extremely hot with the temperatures down here. So to me, I think I'm applying Nick for as far as the way he's handling practice right now because that's the last thing that we want. And along with that, we saw that Jason Kelsey also had his elbow uh, repaired and they're expecting him to come back week one. Do you believe that Kelsey will be ready in five weeks to be able to play and continue his starting streak? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. Um, of course, Sirianni's not putting a timetable on it. He never puts a timetable on a return for a player, but you know, he kind of gave a little wink wink and said, you know, if, if he's close uh, leading into that Detroit game, um, he's got 102 122 game starting streak you know if he's close he's going to want to keep that going he's going to want to grow that to 123 so yeah I think you know and Kelsey's and Sirianni said it one of the toughest guys he knows and and that's absolutely true um you know we saw him suffer a hyper uh, extended elbow in one game last year came out late in the second quarter but he was back out there in the second half I mean just you know he'll play through anything I my best Jason Kelsey story is one I think it was in Washington after a game many years ago where he was playing with his knee wrapped up. He was having really bad knee uh, injury and he was still playing. And I was watched as the trainer unwrapped his leg and the thing was like totally black. Like there was no blood flow coming to that knee and, and his leg was literally black. I'm thinking, my God, they're going to have to amputate this thing. This looks horrible. But you know, Kelsey tough as could be got up, went into the shower, black leg and all. And I, and I was just so blown away by that. Um, you know, he's just, you know, he's one of those heart and soul guys on that line. And I think he'll answer the bell for sure. But, you know, in the meantime, Cam Jurgens, the rookie second round pick, he's going to be the guy running out there. And it's going to be interesting to see how much Nick plays him on th uh, Friday night. If he'll just take him out after what he said, he's going to play his starters for a series or two. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Jurgens exits with the rest of that offensive line, or if he leaves him in there to get a little more game experience. Uh, but this is the best thing, I think, for the Eagles. It's kind of like Tom Brady down there in Tampa, Angel, who's taking this 10-day personal leave. That's a good thing for the Bucs, right? Because now you have Kyle Trask and, you know, whoever their other quarterbacks are. Now they can get some reps. They can, they, you know, they can kind of learn the offense a little quicker. And it's the same with Cam Jurgens with Jason Kelsey. He can get these first-team reps. He can see defenses, the first-team defense, and it's a good thing for him. So uh, not necessarily a bad thing. I personally think Kelsey will be ready week one. Uh, just knowing the type of player he is and that consecutive game streak, I'm sure he wants to continue with. Right. Fuji, before I get to you, I, there's two questions I'm going to bring up. One by Rick Marcus, great friend of the show here. Rick says, without without hitting hard in practice, what excuses will be given for injuries on Friday? 
Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I don't think you can really legislate against injuries. You know, the Eagles are just listening to the sports science and doing what they're being told by sports science. But to me, if an injury is going to happen, it, it's going to happen. Um, they've had 12 or 13 guys on their practice report uh, as of day 10 on Wednesday's last practice, the media was allowed to watch. So that's a pretty high number. Now, I think they're being cautious with some of these guys. They don't want to kind of just rush them out there because it is, you know, early August uh, and you want to have them fresh. I mean, I guess it's probably a, a month from today, right, that they open the season. Yeah. So, you know, there's no sense in rushing some of these guys. Yeah. Second year in the system, you know, just play it safe with these guys. Why put them back there and risk further injuring yourself? So if they have injuries Friday, I, I don't know if it's anybody's fault. I, I just think that that's just the way the game's played. It's a very violent, very physical game. Yep, it is. I 100% agree. And I know this one from Mike Klein here, and he says the Eagles know all of that. Uh, we are ready for anything We'll beat the Lions. I'm worried about the Vikings. And he says, go Eagles, and we are PhillyToSouth.com. By the way, speaking of Philly to South, if you guys don't forget, Tampa Joe, September 11th, with Mike Klein, with Michelle Henley, the entire game, plus us here at the podcast, will be down there on September 11th at the Tampa Joe's for the home opener kickoff, the away, away from home kickoff there. So if you guys end up coming down, look on Philly to South Facebook page, and sign up so we can get a head count for the people who are going to be down there. So, again, September 11th over at Tampa Joe's. And with that, Fuji, I turn over to you, sir. I was going to let Sean go. Okay. Yeah, John. Hey, Ed, with uh, the wide receiver uh, competition, where does Rieger and J.J. White or Sotega stand at, at tight end position? Well, Is there uh, any kind of battle there? Uh, I'll start with our Sega Whiteside, you know, the former second round pick drafted as a receiver. Uh, he's mm -hmm. learning to play tight end. He's gained about 12 pounds. You know, it's a, it's a tough, a tough go for him, to be honest. You know, in my pre-draft 53 man roster projection, I had the Eagles keeping four tight ends and I had our Sega Whiteside making it. Um, but now I'm kind of rethinking that because wow. um, I know they like his blocking. I know they like his special <laughs> special teams ability. Uh, so could he be a third tight end? Maybe, um, you know, but it, it's tough. It's, it's been tough for him. He doesn't get a whole lot of reps. He's working with the third team and the, and the developmental team. Um, so okay. it, it's tough for him. I, I, I think he, he could be a casualty. I really do. Or, you know, he still has practice squad eligibility because they have these veterans now. I think they're allowed to put six veteran players on this 16 man practice squad, which was a rule they implemented during the, the pandemic and they're keeping the 16 practice squad players. So, you know, I could see them trying to get him to the practice squad. I don't know if anybody would claim him or not. Um, but, yeah, I, it, it's mm -hmm. going to be tough um, because, you know, they have Stoll, Jack Stoll at that tight end spot, who I think is doing pretty well catching the ball, and he was their big blocker last year. And really, really you don't need your second tight end to catch too many passes because you have so many weapons with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Kenny Gainwell, mm -hmm. or Miles Sanders out of the backfield. I mean – how many catches do you need your second tight end to have? But uh, Stoll's there. Um, I like mm -hmm. this Noah Tagai, a uh, kid, uh, an undrafted free agent out of Oregon that was in the camp for the Eagles originally, I think, in 2020. They cut him at the end of summer. The Colts picked him up. He got in the three games. The Colts cut him, and the Eagles brought him back. I, I like the camp he's having. So it's going to be tough for J.J. As far as Rager goes, uh, I think he's going to make the team. Uh, they're not going to cut him. Uh, they're they're probably going to try to trade him, but I don't know what his value is. And Howie Roseman is probably asking. Mm -hmm. In fact, I know he's asking more than what teams are willing to give right now. So uh, unless he comes down in his asking price or a team comes up in their offer, then 
Rager's going to be here and he's going to be on this team. And I think they'll keep six wide receivers. I think Greg Ward's time here is in jeopardy. I think he's one of the ones that gets lost in the numbers mm-hmm. crunch. Uh, and Rager will be that fifth guy behind your top four, Brown, Smith, Watkins, and Zach Paschal. Uh, and then I think they keep six receivers. And I think Britton Covey, who we're going to see a lot of in the preseason, starting with the Jets on Friday, uh, very little, 5'8", 175-pound slot guy. Man, he catches the ball. He, <clears throat> they're looking hit at him in the punt return game. So maybe they give Rager, you know, maybe Rager doesn't return punts this year if Covey makes the team. Uh, but I think they keep six, and I think Covey is going to be that sixth guy. But I think, I, unless they trade Rager, I think he's going to be a part of this team. Okay. And, what about Devin Allen? All this hype about him too, as well. <clears throat> yeah. Well, listen. You know, he's a curiosity Olympic Olympic hurdler. You know, he's been inconsistent in camp. He'll drop catches, just routes on air. You know, he gets a little sloppy and drops a pass. But you know, he hasn't played football in six years. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll drop another pass in team drills. You know, he works in the developmental part of practice, uh, runs third team, uh, makes a catch, mixes a catch in there, but mixes a drop in there. Now, the big question is, <clears throat> is are the Eagles going to give him a pass on that, knowing that, hey, you know, he's shaking off six weeks or six years worth of rust uh, from not having played football? Are they going to keep him on this roster? Remember, Tuesday they have to cut five players from this roster. They have to bring the roster from 90 to 85 okay. after the first preseason game. So, you know, a couple of us writers on the sideline, we're talking, hey, could Devin Allen be one of those guys that gets cut? And, you know, it's possible. I don't see it, but I think he's got one one and a half feet in, in the hurdle world. He's still he's trying to qualify for the next Summer Olympics in Paris in 2026. You know, he hasn't played football for six years. I, If he wants to continue on this team, it's going to probably be on the practice squad. Uh, unless they cut him on Tuesday. If they cut him on Tuesday, I, I'm not sure they want him on the practice squad. Um, but that's where his his uh, his niche is going to be on the practice squad. But who knows if he even wants to keep playing football because he has to start training for the Olympics. So I think he's more of a curiosity. Yeah, he's got some speed, but he doesn't really know where he's going. His route running isn't that precise yet. Again, are the Eagles going to give him a pass and keep him around for the rest of the month? Or are they going to part ways on Tuesday with him? I don't, I don't see him making this team at all. And as far as okay. – uh, as far as anybody in 10, 11 days in the training camp, is there anybody that's having like a standout training camp that's looking great from mm. your perspective? Well, uh, listen, Brad, Britton Covey, who I just talked about, I think as the undrafted free agent, he's probably the leader of that group of undrafted free agents. You know, it always seems like the Eagles find somebody <clears throat> as an undrafted free agent that helps the team. I mean, TJ Edwards, you know, there's your starting middle linebacker. He was an undrafted free agent. He started out on this team ninth on the depth chart. Now he's a starting linebacker, middle linebacker. Um, you know, we've seen Nate Herbig, who gave the Eagles so many quality games as an offensive lineman. As soon as they cut him, Joe Douglas and the Jets were on the phone. Hey, we want him. We'll, we'll, we'll claim him. And we'll see Nate Herbig, to, you know, Friday night uh, <clears throat> for the Jets. Uh, so, you know, they – and Corey Clement, Super Bowl hero, uh, hero of 2017 season. He was an undrafted free I mean, you can go down the line and find guys. Josh Adams, running back, led the team in rushing one year, undrafted free agent. So, Britton Covey, to me, is a guy who stand out, who has stood out the most. I really like this cornerback that they signed from as an undrafted kid, Josh Job, uh, from ba- uh, Alabama, University of Alabama. He's got some speed. He's got some size. But, again, it's a, it's a numbers game at that cornerback spot. You know, uh, James Bradbury, who has stood out to me in camp for sure. I mean, Bradbury, 
that's one of the funnest parts of these camp. <clears throat> this camp is watching Bradbury and Slay go against Brown. Well, Smith hasn't been out there. But going against Brown, Pascal a little bit. He hasn't been out there much because of the food poisoning. And Quez Watkins. I mean, these battles are just great. Bradbury has really shined. <clears throat> Maybe some of the unexpected guys that have stood out to me. Andre Shasheri, the safety, uh, it, it, getting first-team reps. He's very good in special teams. He was a guy that I didn't think was going to make. Actually, I did have him on my pre, pre-camp 53-man roster projection, but he's really playing well, and they're actually giving him some reps at slot cornerback as well, trying to cross-train him. And interestingly, they're giving Josiah Scott some reps at safety. You know, he's a slot corner. was Avante Maddox's backup last year. They're giving him reps at safety. They're starting to cross-train some of these guys, and my assumption is they like these guys, and they're trying to find a way to keep them on this team because they can do more than one position. So Shasheri stood out, this kid Marlon Tui Pualatu, it was a sixth-round pick last year. Uh, the Eagles kept him on the 53 all year. He was inactive for all but five games. He's really come back strong. He looks quick. He looks more confident. I think he was hurt a good part of last year coming out of USC. I think he had an ankle injury that kind of bothered him throughout most of the season. But right now he looks like he's the backup to Jordan Davis at nose tackle. So, you know, those are just a few guys that have really stood out in the linebacker play. TJ Edwards has been fantastic. <clears throat> Davion Taylor has looked really good, his biggest – uh, his biggest thing is staying healthy. Hasn't done that. It seems like whenever he starts getting momentum, he was playing well last year, got hurt. Um, and Kaiser White looks really fast, looks really good at covering uh, tight ends and backs. So those three linebackers. And then there's N'Kobe Dean who, you know, anybody that thought he was going to come in and, you know, be a starter day one, it's not going to happen. I mean, he's going to have to see how this season unfolds for him and he's going to have to earn some playing time. Um, so, We'll see how that all plays out. But those are some things that have really stood out to me. Slay's been terrific. Looks like he's ready to, you know, repeat as a Pro Bowl player, at least in camp. I mean, you know, we got 17 weeks to go for the for the season. But um, th- those are some guys that have really, really flashed for me. As far as the safety position, I mean, I'm hearing Marcus Epps is looking pretty solid. And Jaquiski <laughs> Tar really hasn't been at practice for like a week, I heard. Is that, yeah, he's missed thoughts on that. Jaquaski Tarts missed three practices for personal reasons. And, you know, it's hard to shake down anybody that is going to reveal what those personal reasons are. We're just going to have to wait for him uh, to come back and, and see. Maybe he'll want to shed some light on that. But, you know, listen, he was already way behind the eight ball, so to speak, because um, <clears throat> uh, he signed June 18th. You know, he came into, onto the team June 18th. So already he's a little behind seven seasons in San Francisco. Um, good friends with James Bradbury. The two of them played together at Sanford University. I think that's in Alabama. Um, so, you know, but he's 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 got his work cut out, and he could be a guy that maybe he doesn't make it because how many safeties are you going to keep here, Fuge? I mean, you got – obviously you have Epps. <clears throat> you have um, – who else you got? Anthony oh, Anthony Harris. Harris. Anthony Harris, yeah. Um, you know, who else? They got Andre Shasheri, who I already mentioned. You know, maybe they like Josiah Scott enough to be confident in him to play safety in a pinch. Um, you know, it's just Kayvon Wallace. Is he going to make this team fourth round pick out of Clemson a couple of years ago? I mean, it, yeah, the odds are stacked against him, uh, depending on how many safeties you keep. I mean, I, I think they're keeping four, to be honest. You know, and if you cross train a Scott <clears throat> to be able to play some safety, then that's your guy in a pinch. And then they might keep five or six cornerbacks, probably six. Uh so yeah, I, you know. How's Mario Goodrich look? He looks okay. Um, you know, he every now and then he makes a, a play that kind of stands out. Um, 
you know, I'm not ready to say he's going to make the team. I think he's another possible candidate for a practice squad, but he's not going to make this team. I don't think, I think Josh Job to me, like I mentioned the cornerback, you know, they signed three corners. They signed uh, Josh Blackwell from, from Duke, uh, Job, and then uh, Goodrich. And to me, Job is, a, is at the head of that class. Uh, and another safety I didn't mention is another undrafted free agent, Reed Blankenship from Middle Tennessee State. I mean, he's, uh, he's played pretty well. He was getting actually some first-team reps on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much the reps mean at this point, but, you know, they're, they're, he's playing against, you know, that first-team offense. So they must like him a little bit if they're playing him first-team reps a little bit. So Reed Blankenship, another one to keep an eye on at safety. Yeah, do you see the Eagles going out and bringing in, a, a like, a bigger back, like a Jordan, Jordan no. Howard type? No, I don't. And, and, you know, we asked um, the running back coach, Jamal Singleton, this, like, is it necessary to have a 240-pound type back for the short yardage? <clears throat> and he said, listen, you know, look at Boston Scott. He's a powerful – he's not a big back. He's only, what, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, but, you know, just Singleton said – Yeah. Yeah, Singleton said he's strong, man. His legs, his lower body, you know, he's strong, he's fast, he hits the hole, and he'll knock you backwards. So – you know, they don't need that too much. I always thought they did, and I kind of still think they do, but I don't see them bringing Howard back. I think mm-hmm. Singleton likes this group. They can all do something a little different, gain well out of the backfield, maybe Sanders a little bit out of the backfield. Sanders, your home run hitter. I think Scott can run it between the tackles. I know they like Jason Huntley too, another kid that has had a, had a pretty good camp, and you're going to see a lot of him in the preseason because Eagles just don't have many running backs. Scott is hurt. He has a concussion. Kenny Gainwell has a hip injury. Don't know how serious that is. He probably won't play on Friday night. So they signed this kid, DeAndre Torrey, out of North Texas State, uh, and they cut one of the receivers, Carrick Wheatfall, to make room for him on the 90-man. So they, they just need bodies. They just need running backs to get through the season, the preseason, because you want to keep your guys like Sanders and, and Scott when he returns and Gainwell when he returns. You, you want to keep them fresh. You don't want to burn them out in August, and then they start the season with dead legs and have to fight through that. So – they need guys to carry the ball in the, in the preseason. And they have the one kid, Kennedy Brooks, from uh, Oklahoma, uh, undrafted free agent. You're going to see a lot of him. Uh, he's a bigger back, 5'11", I think about 215, 220. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see. They, what Singleton said about him is he liked him in college because he's a guy that's always falling forward like a big back does. You know, he gets hit, he doesn't get knocked back, he falls forward, kind of like Jordan Howard did. So I don't see him bringing Howard back. Um, I think they're going to roll the dice with what they have. I mean, listen, they probably would have brought Howard back already if they felt they were going to bring him back. So right. I, I don't see that happening. Well, he was fighting the uh, neck injuries for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, right. That's that's right. The stinger issue. We always had that stinger problem. It's a good point. <laughs> Before I get into some cream hunt talk here, as far as in, in relation, not directly with the Eagles, but I want to bring up here on this banner here, and I want for everyone who's watching today and, and be listening on the audio download, if you guys and girls can do us a favor, great friend of the show, Rob Motti, his father is going through it right now, and he is trying to battle with his last breath, and we're hoping that it's not his time yet. So if you guys can do me a favor and just say a prayer tonight when you go to bed, before you go to bed, or even during the show here, could you guys do us a great favor and pray for Rob Motti's dad? Because... We all know, as I said to Rob earlier today when I was getting the update, that we all have our sunset dates. We're just hoping that for his dad right now, because his mom obviously is uh, very heartbroken that this is going on kind of unexpectedly. So if you guys don't mind, please pray for Rob Motti's dad that hopefully, 
it's not his time yet and that he can make at least a partial recovery and continue to recover. So we would greatly, greatly appreciate here at Brawl Street South. So um, with Kareem Hunt, we know that obviously now he's requesting a trade. Uh, the question was asked to me when I was on with the Seal Steady Renegades guy on, on guys on Sunday night that if the Eagles have the opportunity, what did take on Kareem Hunt? What I said to them was I don't believe the Eagles want to bring all that extra baggage and as they've gotten rid of their drama uh, at this point, and I don't see why the Eagles want to pick them up in the first place because there's money behind it, number one, where the Eagles don't have. And number two, I think they want to save if they're looking for a running back, maybe for this future draft that's coming up here for 23. But, Ed, would the Eagles even entertain the thought about Kareem Hunt? Well, you mentioned the baggage, uh, and you're right. You know, this this is a good character team to me. In fact, I was talking to an assistant coach on the sidelines, and I won't give his name, but we were just talking, and he said we don't have any uh, a-holes on this team. Um, I'm not saying that's Kareem Hunt, but you right. know, he does have the baggage. But my biggest thing mm-hmm. with Kareem Hunt is um, uh, the contract that you're going to pay him a whole lot of money play football and the Eagles just don't do that with the running backs that's why when you look at Miles Sanders you know people wonder are you going to give him an extension I mean it depends what an extension looks like because the Eagles just aren't going to invest I don't think that kind of money and Kareem Hunt's going to make more than Miles Sanders so no they're not going to bring in Kareem Hunt Um, they're happy I'm telling you they're happy with their running backs they're happy with Sanders Scott Gainwell they like that versatility they're starting to like Jason Huntley a lot Um, so I, I think they're fine at running back. They don't need Kareem Hunt. They don't need to pay him $15 million a year or whatever it is. Like Le'Veon Bell wanted that huge contract. He gets that big contract and he turns into a dog. I'm not saying again, Kareem Hunt's going to do that, but you know, he's further down in his career, further along in his career. Eagles are better off just, you know, finding a running back in the fourth round of next year's draft, to be honest, if they want to do it that way, but I, they're not going to bring in Kareem Hunt. Yeah, it's the same thing I discussed with those guys. I, I just don't see the Eagles doing it. Like I said, this team has gelled really well together. Nick Sirianni definitely has control of the clubhouse, which is what we want to see. Because the last thing you want is just to see you know open chaos all over the place. We know there's going to be like certain scrimmages we've seen with with certain teams. Obviously, the guys in, in the heat of the battle are they going to get in each other's face? We know that we see it. It happens every year. It's no different in preseason football. We just hope that obviously isn't taken to a whole different level at that point. But also, since you've been, if you've been down there at, at practice and seeing what's going on down there, Jalen Hurts, year two, does he look better in the pocket? Does he look better overall? Or is he still looking like he's got those learning curves to go through? Man, I, I love that we're, what, 35 minutes into this show and the first time we've been asked about Jalen Hurts is right now. I love that because, you know, there's so many other parts to this team that have to play up to their abilities. It's not just Jalen Hurts, but obviously he's the quarterback. There's that huge focus on him. Uh, to me, Jalen Hurts doesn't look a whole lot different than the Jalen Hurts from last year. Um, it, if there's any difference, they, they seem to be trying to get him to throw shorter passes, like, you know, like – Try not to go deep. Try not to, you know, take off and run. They want to run quick timing patterns. They've worked on that a lot. A lot of crossing stuff, quick slants inside, a lot of intermediate routes where he's getting the ball out quick. I think I think that's kind of the difference in what we're seeing. They want him to get the ball out quick. Uh, and then if that first read isn't there, then you move on to the second read instead of just taking off. Uh, and then maybe, you know, you find Dallas Goddard over here because they're doubling A.J. Brown over here or Devontae Smith over there. So, you know, they want him, if you can't get the ball out quick, 
They want him to progress to at least a second read, even a third read. And you have the offensive line to be able to do that, obviously, because it's a veteran line. Um, you know, so that's what they want. I Listen, they're going to use him still on the ground. They're going to let him run the ball because that's a big part of his game. And we saw him at the link practice on Sunday night. They did a lot of that read option stuff. So they're still going to do that. But I'm of the opinion that, you know, they, they need to let him run less. They want to see less of these – scramble drills where he takes off running. They want to see him either throw it away or, or try to make a play if it's there to whatever read you're on at that point. Uh, because when he runs, he, he gets hurt. I mean, he, he, he stands the chance to get hurt, right? I mean, we see it with quarterbacks. He got hurt mm-hmm. last year against the Giants with the ankle injury, missed the Jets game, came back <clears throat> for the last month of the season, but it was a serious injury. He ended up having surgery on that ankle. So, you know, he was playing really with one leg last year at the end of the season. We saw Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, another running quarterback. He got mm-hmm. hurt, lost the last month and a half mm-hmm. of the season. The Ravens went in the tank. So, you know, to me, Hurts, they want him to get rid of the ball, and they don't want him to take these – unless it's there and you can get the yardage. But we see him getting out of bounds a lot, sliding. You know, I don't think they want him taking too many chances with his body. So they're trying to train him to take what's there, take that first read. And a lot of that first read stuff, like I said, has been slant pattern stuff, short crosses in the middle uh, and intermediate out routes. I haven't seen a whole lot of deep throws from him in team drills. We've seen it in seven on sevens and one on one, not so much the team. So to me, he looks kind of the same though, mechanically uh, read wise, but Hertz is a guy when the lights come on, I think he elevates his game a notch. And, you know, I think we'll see that once the season starts. At least, that's, I mean, it, listen, I, I've been a huge fan, advocated for him, obviously, a lot last season. Still pressing the same exact way this season. Eagles, how he has done as much as he possibly could with the salary cap to at least bring some weapons for him. So it, just like Tua, it's for Jalen this season to basically lose that job. My only question is, if let's just say the Eagles start out, let's let's do a, a two and five scenario Oof. at that point. Does Nick start looking at the overall picture and wondering, is Jalen going to be my future quarterback? Or is he know at that point, you know what, with some more mechanical fixes, maybe he can be fixed or I, I do need to look more into my quarterback, I, I guess, stable that I have. So you're saying you put Gardner Minshew in or Reed Sinet, who I think Reed Sinet's gotten better each day, to be honest. Um, but right. I, listen, they're going to ride with Hertz <clears throat> until the very end of the season. And then they're, going to take a look around and see how he did. And, you know, they're going to come up for air. They're going to look at how he did. They're going to look at his tape. They're going to evaluate him. And they're either going to pay him a huge contract. You know, they're going to give him $35 million, which is going to blow your salary cap up. Or they're going to go draft another guy and probably keep Hurts on this roster going into his last year of his deal. Uh, But he's going to be competing with whoever it is they're going to draft next season. I mean, they have the ammunition to try to make a play for a quarterback. So, yeah, Hurts is playing for his life. And, listen, I'm I'm not 100% sold on him. I, I really like the kid. I like his intangibles a whole lot. The teammate, the, his teammates love him. Uh, they're behind him. They have his back. I mean, Nick Sirianni, the first day of practice, shows up wearing a Jalen Hurts T-shirt, you know, Jalen Hurts' face on it. And A.J. Brown, we asked him about it, and he's like, yeah, halfway through I looked over and saw it. I mean, man, that's lit. Your coach is give, you know, wearing your brand. I mean, that's great. You know, and we see A.J. Brown shows up to training camp with a hat on that says Hurts season, S-Z-N. Uh, right. So his teammates have his back. So I love the intangibles of Jalen Hurts. 
I'm not sure he's going to ever be that high completion percentage passer, which is to me what I think they're trying to work on in camp is to get that completion percentage up. It was 61% in his first year as a starter. It's got to be higher. It's got to be, you know, 65, I think, at minimum. And I'm, I, I have my concerns as to whether or not he can do that. I don't know. Um, but that's what they want to see. They want to see him be a high, higher completion percentage guy. Right. You speak about the players. Interesting enough, as they roll into it, there's another video that I want to show here as far as when it comes to the players and how much the Eagles get involved in the community, especially during the practice. I know they're limited this season as far as what they wanted to do with the fans, uh, whether being at the link or being at the practice field. So I want to bring up this video and there's a reason behind it. So let me show this clip here and then we'll come back. The one reason why I bring up that clip there, because obviously when it comes to the Eagles and we've seen it and, and maybe it could be one sided. I don't know. People can call me a homer, but I know like being in Philadelphia and then obviously being down here in Tampa, but being in Philly, Eagles were always, I mean, historically involved in the community. Love their fans, absolutely passionate. They also know that the fans bring the best out of them and also bring the worst out of them because it, as much as we talk about the other team on the Western side of PA, there's no difference. And I mean, there's no, there's no team like the Eagles. You can, you can try and say it about the Giants if you want. You can try and say it about DCU if you like, which I don't think they're going to do much of anything this year. But for me, the Eagles have always been involved. You're seeing whether it's painting a school, you know, either donating to a school, these players, when they come here, when they connect with this community, how much, and if you hear anything during the practice, how much do they love being a part of it and how much do they enjoy it, even though they have a busy schedule throughout the regular season, but how much enjoyment or how much happiness does it bring them? It's huge. I mean, you know, that, and the players talk about it all the time, that the, uh, the passion that these fans have, not just for football, but for Philadelphia Eagles football. And, and the players see that and, and they know it and, and they want to strive to satisfy that hunger that these fans show towards them. And, you know, sometimes, <clears throat> look, they're human, too. They don't always play, you know, the best football or they make mistakes. But, you know, it's not because they're not trying. I mean, they, they, they love the passion that these fans bring. And, I, and I'll say about those fans, you know, it's a shame that not – your average fan can really come out to watch them practice. They only have a couple hundred fans that practice each day. And a lot of those fans are season ticket holders or their corporate sponsors, you know, partners with the Eagles and, you know, various companies. It's their, you know, family, friends, whoever they decide to bring. It's, you know, football, high school football teams, even younger than that. They had a flag football team from Lansdale Catholic, a high school in suburban Philadelphia who won their flag football uh, tournament that they had earlier. They came out to practice. So it's a very limited uh, fan base that's allowed to come see these practices. And, and that's a shame. It's not Lehigh where you just show up and you walk in. I mean, it's not like that anymore. Right. Um, but, you know, listen, the Eagles connection to the community is strong. Um, I understand why they do this. You know, they like to be in their facility rather than packing up the trucks and go live in a dorm for a month and a half, you know, on these short beds where, you know, you put Jordan Davis in a dorm room bed. I mean, you know, he's going to be hanging off the edge of the bed by his knees. Right. Uh, so, you know, I understand why they do it, but sure. You know, they had that open practice at the link, right? On Sunday night, they charged $10 a person, very, you know, reasonably priced, I thought. Um, and they had thirty-five or 30,000 people 
show up. They raised $350,000 for their Eagles Autism Foundation, which is they're really their number one uh, charity, uh, which is tremendous. You know, these fans turn out and they support, and the Eagles yeah. get right back with their players. You know, Jordan Davis, <laughs> you know, listen, Davis, he's, he's a fun dude to watch. He's a good guy. Uh, really good teammate, and he signs autographs every single day after practice. And it, as hot as it is in Tampa, it's only about 10 wow. degrees cooler here, Angel. It's like 90. The Eagles have moved up a couple practices by an hour just right. to try to beat the heat from 10 a.m. to 9 a.m. And Davis, he brings water ice to his to his teammates, as the veterans. Wow. He signs autographs. He takes pictures. He just loves it. And, you know, he he doesn't have to do that, and and, and he does. I mean, he gets it. So there's a lot of players on the team like that. Jason Kelsey's one. I mean, you just go down the list. So, yeah, it's, it's cool to see. Just to touch on that stuff, Ed, I mean, it's stuff you don't really hear, like, from the media besides, you know, you telling us just, like, the camaraderie with the players at, interacting with the fans, which, you know, with, which we all love. You know, some of these guys won't even – probably on other teams won't even give you the time of day. Yeah, I can't. I can't speak to that. And you know, sometimes players are hot at the end of practice, and they just kind right. of ease off and go into lot. You know, but because it's been hot. But there are mm-hmm. certain players that are who, who show up every single day after practice, and they'll sign every last autograph that's being asked to them. And I just point out Jordan Davis because you know he just seems to have really a, a fun time doing it. And you know, he's a six six, three hundred and forty pound man. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's just dripping sweat. In fact, I know he is. When he sits in that media tent and talks to us at the podium, he gets up and there's like four inches of sweat on his chair. It's disgusting. The next player comes up and he's like, oh, I need a new chair. I can't sit. This is disgusting. <laughs> Jordan, man, get back here and clean your chair. So someone brings up another chair and stuff. So, you know, listen, Davis, he could go right in the locker room and sit in the air conditioning and, you know, take a shower and unpack his pads and get ready for the next team meeting. But he doesn't. He sits there. And signs autographs, and and I could tell you a lot of players that do that. I just highlight Jordan Davis because, you know, he's fun to watch. He's the rookie um, from Georgia, um, so you know it's just it's, I just like to spotlight him. And as far as Brandon Graham, just seems so humble, uh, very humble, very humble. You know, he, he was asked about that uh, clip from the link that went viral of him bull rushing Cam Jurgens uh, into the backfield. You know, Jurgens. I don't know if you saw the video. Looked like he was doing the bunny hop, like four. He tried to anchor four different times, tried to set those that that butt down low, and Davis just kept pushing him. And the the video went viral, over five million views last I checked. The first twelve and a half hours, it was up, and Davis was asked about it, what his thoughts were, and he's like, "I hate it." You know, he goes, "You're looking at one play, and you're seeing Cam and me go." He goes, "But you're not seeing us here every day in practice." And I've been at every practice, and I've seen it, and I've seen Jurgens have. You know, he's won his share of battles, too. So that's what Davis was spotlighting is, you know, Cam's a good player and we're just iron sharpening iron. One of the most overused sports cliches these days. But he goes, we're iron sharpening iron. He goes, nobody's Mm -hmm. seeing Cam and me at practice. And Cam has won his share of battles. And he has. But that one play in that little vacuum of an open practice where the, you know, the average fan can come and watch. That goes viral. But, you know, he defended Jurgens, and he was right to do it because I've seen it, and Jurgens does well on occasion against him. Davis has his way sometimes, but they go back and forth. So, you know, he said that. He just knows how to say the right things. He said, listen, this, is, this isn't this is about me. It's about us as a team. You know, it takes – football's a team game. It takes 11 guys to get us where we want to go, and hopefully these 11 guys that we have on defense are going to get us to the promised land. He goes, but it's not about me. It's about everybody. I mean, 
you know, this guy, he's making yeah. millions of dollars. He was drafted 13th overall, and he's he's got the right mindset. Like I said, he gets it on the field and off the field. And as far as uh, Jonathan Gannon, as far as like picking up him saying about have playing the 3-4 defense, I mean, do you see him utilizing just blitzing a lot? Uh, I don't I mean, know. Best- yeah, I would think so. I mean, you know, we talked to Hassan Reddick. <clears throat> and I was one of three people interviewing him in kind of this mixed zone away from the media tent where they bring guys out. And, uh, you know, he was mm-hmm. asked about rushing because Gannon and Jeremiah Washburn asked him his opinion, his input on what he wants him to do and what they want him to do. What do you want to do today, Hassan? What do you want to work, work on? And he appreciates that. But I said to him, I said, hey, do they ever do you ever say, hey, I want to drop in coverage on this play? Do you ever tell them that? And he's like, you know, and it didn't look like he was going to say yes, but he's like, you know, I understand why they want to do that. He goes, because other things come off of that. So I'm thinking that means a blitz. If you're dropping Hassan Reddick into coverage, then maybe you're bringing Andre Shashari off the edge on a safety blitz or, or, or Marcus Epps off a safety blitz mm-hmm. or Nicobe Dean or TJ Edwards off a linebacker blitz because now you have a, a defensive end, an overhang player, an edge rusher like Reddick who's dropping back. So you're getting a different look as a quarterback, and then maybe you're confused, and maybe you throw it right to Reddick and he picks it off. So – He's not going to drop a lot, but he says, I can appreciate what they want to do. It's not just him saying we're going to drop you because there's no reason. He goes, there's other things that come off of that. And I'm thinking, yeah, that he's going to blitz probably off some of those those design drops for Reddick, and he's going to disguise them. And you're not going to know who's coming where, and maybe nobody's coming. Maybe they just don't know Reddick's dropping back, and a quarterback's like, oh, crap, I just threw it, and Reddick's standing right there in front of my tight end, and he picks it off. So, um, you know. I think he's going to do some different things with this defense. As far as uh, Brandon Graham. Is he going to play Joker? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to move him around. Uh, You know, they're going to line him up on the left side, the right side. I don't think they'll put him in the middle. But, yeah, I mean, they'll stand him up. I'm not sure they'll ever put him on, you know, in in a three-point or a four-point. He'll stand up, and, you know, he'll he'll look like he's rushing sometimes, or sometimes he'll back off in the coverage. so, yeah, the, whatever you want to call that role, he's going to work both sides. Um, he, he's going to be play. – he'll play a lot. <laughs> There's no question. He'll play a lot. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. And as far as uh, Brandon Graham, would you say he fully recovered from that Achilles injury last year? Graham looks great. Graham looks fast. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. He's getting a lot of second-team reps. He's just been abusing Jack Driscoll at right tackle. Um, really kind of an unfair matchup. <laughs> You know, I mean, everybody thought Driscoll and Siamalo would battle to uh, be the right guard. But, you know, Siamalo has been the day, you know, first day of camp starter at right guard. Driscoll's got no reps at that spot. He's getting backup reps at right tackle because you don't know what you're going to get from Lane Johnson. Lane's 32 years old. He's had the ankle issues. Um, You know, obviously he's had the mental health uh, issues. You hope he can go all 17. But if he can't, they don't want to move Mulata over to left or right tackle like they did last year and put Dillard in. They want someone trained as a right tackle because Milad is better as a left tackle. I think it weakens mm-hmm. your line when he has to go to the right side. So Graham has just been picking on Driscoll. He looks fast. He's getting a lot of second team reps, which to me indicates that, you know, his role is not going to be maybe what it was. He's not going to play, you know, 50, 60 snaps. I think they're going to try to kind of conserve him. He's 34 years old, coming off a serious Achilles injury. I think initially they're going to try to monitor his snaps and maybe that makes him more effective. Um, because he is older, because he is coming off a serious injury. So maybe he gets 35 to 40 reps uh, to start the season. 
because you have other guys on this team and they're going to use multiple fronts. They're going to use five man fronts, four man fronts, three man fronts. So you don't need him to play 60 reps or 60 snaps a game. I think they're going to back it off, at least initially, maybe as the season goes on and he, and he shows that, you know, Hey, I'm still the same brand than I was. My Achilles is fine. Maybe they amp it up a little, but I think initially they're going to try to protect him and play him, you know, kind of in, in a more of a limited role. Speaking about the offensive line, where do you see Andre Dillard? Is he making this team or do you think Howie will trade him before the season starts? Yeah. I, again, Howie's not going to give him away. Um, you know, if somebody wants to give you a, you know, a conditional third round pick that can, can become a second, maybe, or maybe a conditional second to become a first. I, I don't know. I mean, Howie, he tries to get as much value as he can from these first round guys and, if he doesn't get it, I mean, yeah, okay, so Dillard gives you good depth at left tackle. I mean, and that's what he is. He's going to be your backup left tackle behind Milata. Um, if they were to trade him, I don't know who your backup left tackle is. LaRaven Clark, who, you know, he's had to play when both Milata and Dillard were out with concussions for a time in practice, and LaRaven Clark did not look good. And, you know, and listen, he, you know, he needs the reps. He needs to get better. I'm not saying he's a bad player. But, you know, he needs some time to work on his game. And so he – they, they ran an undrafted free agent out there at tackle who's a guard by trade, Josh Sills from uh, Oklahoma by way of West Virginia. The, the next day after Clark just, you know, the, was, the pass rush was just swallowing up Hurts and Minshew and Senate because they couldn't block on that side of the line because Raven Clark was just giving up pressure. So uh, they threw Sills out there. Now Clark, he's gotten hurt. So I don't know who your left tackle would be if you trade Dillard. I think you got to keep him. Your backup left tackle, I should say. Obviously, Milad is the starting left tackle. Yeah, we got about a about a minute or so here into the broadcast. But a a, a question for you as far as what you believe as far as the Eagles now. It, it's too early as far as to talk playoffs or anything else like that. I guess for you, Ed, what would you believe would be a record? I guess for the for the Eagles this season. I I don't obviously wouldn't see them going eleven and six or anything else like that, but. Are they more of a 500 team or are they just about 500? Well, they won nine games last year. And I, you know, I know that, you know, they played some, you know, pretty bad quarterbacks. You don't know how the season's going to unfold with the quarterbacks that they'll end up playing in November, December. Um, you know, what's, what's Justin Fields going to look like in December when they go to Chicago? Um, so, you know, listen, you, you play who you play, but they won nine games last year and they have a better roster in my opinion. So right away, I'm looking at, you know, the over from nine games. And, you know, I think they can win 10. Um, I think they could win 11. I mean, listen, you have to have some luck. You have to stay healthy. Um, you know, we all know the NFL season is the ebb and flow. It's who you play and what they what they did the week before, the injury situation. So there's a lot that goes into it. But I see them as a 10-win as a team, and then I think they have the ability to win 11. All right, well, listen, we hope that it <laughs> – it's been year after year after year, and we hope that this year that injury bug, I don't care if it goes further south in the division, if it goes up north in the division, I don't, if it wants to make a trip out to the West Coast, it can go wherever else it wants to because it's been a long time since we've had an entire healthy team. And not only that, it's an early bye week this season, which is the first one in about three seasons, I want to say, that it's been that early. So I'm hoping that we stay injury-free, at least the Eagles. I don't play for them, unfortunately, but – I'm hoping the Eagles will understand injury-free, so therefore they'll be just fine here coming into the latter part of the season. But, Ed, thank you once again for joining us tonight, and please let everyone know where they can find you and especially your content. 
But yeah, thanks for having me. And again, congrats on show 148 here. Uh, can't wait. Thank to you. Number 200 comes up. Um, Thank you. But uh, yeah, and welcome, Sean. Um, Thank you very I, much, Ed. Yeah, my content, you can uh, hit me on Twitter uh, at Kratzy. It's K-R-A-C-Z-E. Or, you know, I post all my links there. And John McMullen, who uh, works works for me, uh, he, he, he I post all his stuff as well. Uh, and then... Um, the website, you can find it at www.si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. That brings you straight into the site. There's all videos and, you know, content that maybe you missed on Twitter or, or something. So you can just go right there and, and, and see the whole menu uh, of stuff that John and I write and the videos that we produce. Well, we do appreciate it. We always appreciate the hard work. It's not easy. We all know it isn't easy. It's a lot of time that you have to invest, especially when it comes to football season. Everybody knows basically from this time, at least all the way through February, even if your team is not in the playoffs, it's just busy because it's the backstories that come through and everything that happens during the regular season. So, Ed, thanks yeah, for joining yeah. us and for everyone. I was going to say, now they added this new wrinkle where they're going to Cleveland next week for – joint practices and then the following week they're going to Miami. So now I'm going to Cleveland and Miami. Mm-hmm. Usually Good I'm not Lord. traveling in September, but I'm going to go to these joint practices. So uh new wrinkle. They're going to be on the road. These practices are great. Jeez. Well, I mean, I guess it's a good thing overall with the joint practice, but man, <laughs> that is some extra travel for you now. So that's for sure. Yeah. If you need a stand-in double, the Godfather will do it for you. So it's no worries. You know, he, whatever you need, just let him let him know he'll end up doing it for you. Because we'll yeah, send him on the side. Absolutely. After hearing that intro today, after a few days off, I, that's a prospect, Angel. <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> I forgot all about that. So, yeah, that's all right. Hopefully, he'll get it back together, Ed. But don't worry. It'll be out on, on social media later on so everybody can have a good laugh. But <laughs> it's all right. I never get it back. He's a friend. <laughs> well, listen, we'd like to thank our sponsors as well. Tam and Joe's, don't forget you guys for the Eagles kickoff party. Yes, there will be a DJ. There will be a tent. There'll be food. There'll be beer. There'll be everything from 11 to 5 p.m. September 11th. 9316 Anis Road in beautiful Tampa, Florida. A hop's going to jump over there from the airport. If you guys visit TampaJoes.com, you'll find the full menu of beers and food and everything else that goes on with Tampa Joe's. And don't forget to go to Philly the South on Facebook to register to let them everybody know, at least we can get a head count of the people that are going to be attending there on September 11th. Also, don't forget for lgdirect.net for Larry Gilman. If you need payment solutions for your credit card terminals and or if you need apparel, please visit lgdirect.net. Also, to Big Sarge Sports. Big Sarge doing big things always in Houston, giving you content for the Houston Astros, the Houston Astros writing content, I should say, not giving, but writing content for the Astros, covering the Houston Texans, and when the Rockets are playing for the NBA season, Big Star Sports is all over it, and also you can hear them Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 Central Standards time on In the Trenches with Indy Kalu, Chris Cody, and Noah behind the glass. So BigStarSports.com, and hopefully I cover just about everybody here tonight along with uh, Super Draft Pro, and uh, boom, that's about it. So thank you everyone once again for tuning into episode 148. We'll be back here again on Tuesday night. Don't forget also our coaching session show. No, it's not about the NFL. It's about our life coaches, Jania and Jesse. If you guys want to, you can tune in on Monday night at eight o'clock for that show as well. So thank you once again, to Ed. Thank you to Fuji, even though the Godfather did screw up a little bit in the very beginning, but that's okay because we won't hold it against them. Thanks to Sean and for my producer over at COB. We hope everyone enjoys your weekend. We will see you all next week. And Fuji? Go Birds!